Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. We will talk about the Grizzlies' uh, win against Utah last night. Uh, won by, I think, about six or seven points at the end. Got up by as many as 24 points. Utah team, like I said, not really sure what they're trying to do. Um, I like what they did. They're going to uh, – they've got a lot of young pieces on that team. I get the sweepstakes. I get all those things that are, that are going on. But having actual NBA talent at the end of the day matters a lot. So I do like – that they are uh, holding this thing together. Like I said, Wimbignana is going to be a, trans- a transitional, uh, transcending superstar, mega talent in the NBA. Everyone believes that. But um, having actual talent on your team sometimes uh, is also a good thing. Um, this team still struggles to um, put teams away. Mm-hmm. We saw them, like you said, up 24 points against Utah. Utah, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league. They started warming up in the second half. The Grizzlies started letting go of the rope. Um, there are several things that, that happened. Uh, I have my thoughts about it, but I'm going to throw it to you first, Jason Smith. What are your thoughts on the game uh, last night? Well, yeah, I don't know when you guys are listening compared to when we record this, but last night when, when the Grizzlies beat Utah. I think, I think you know, yeah, you're concerned about blowing a 24-point lead. It got down to one, and it took, you know, Jock closing it out there at the end. So you're concerned about this team's ability to close teams out. It's not putting its foot down um, earlier in games. You know, earlier this season, and and they've still been at statistically, but, you know, saying that they were knocking teams out in the third quarter, one of the highest-scoring third-quarter teams mm-hmm. in the league and weren't having to do this, and lately it's been tough to do so. So you saw a little bit of that, but, but all that said – you know, kind of like you said, you sit back, 
you, this is only the third time in franchise history you've won 35 games before the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing they did stabilize things a little bit in winning the three or four before the break, I think, or else I think the concern level's up. But if yep. you look at where they're at in the standings, what's left with 25 games, I think you got to feel pretty good, even with the blunt. Hey, 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 if Utah comes back and wins that game, saying maybe it's a little bit different feeling, uh, even though it's only a game. But but listen, if, if you lose that one to Utah, you've lost the regular season series to them uh, three to one. So and, and of course, you're a team that's hoping to contend. And so I think overall, you're pleased that they were able to find a way to close it out. And it's it's what you touched on earlier. You're just hopeful that, you know, Stephen Adams is back very soon with this team after the All-Star break because it they are. It feels like, you know, they're down to 15th in offensive efficiency. It feels like it's just a crapshoot for them right now offensively in terms of you know, finding any kind of consistency. So hopefully Steven Adams gets back quickly after the All-Star break, stabilizes that, and you can continue mm -hmm. to build on here what you've done. Um, something that I definitely would like to kind of pull away from this game is that um, you saw Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark start this game together. Mm -hmm. You talked about how we didn't close well, and but we also know with this Grizzlies team, once when we when we can start early, we we can be those front runners. We can get an early lead. We play so much better when we kind of set that tone. And I think having Jaron and BC together, as opposed to Jaron and Tillman, you 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 saw some of that magic you saw from you know over the years whenever those Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark lineups are together. Um, I think that probably had a very good effect on the game. Uh, those guys got going early and often. Brandon Clark was really good last night. There was a lot of good plays he made. Jaron had a phenomenal game as well, continuing to expand his game offensively. Uh, four blocks. I want to say he had five steals. Mm -hmm. um, just a great game for Jaron altogether. I, I don't know what took Taylor Jenkins so long to put that line about there. Uh, we don't see Jaron and Santi a lot, but we're seeing that more. Uh, we, we saw Tillman come off the bench instead of starting. I think that that would definitely uh, was something that had an impact on the game, getting those guys going early, for sure. No, I'm with you. And, and listen, uh, Clark gives you 10 boards in that game. And with the way you've been getting beat up on the boards with Steven Adams out, you know, getting him in there to help you, you know, they, they ended up losing, what, 61-46 on the glass. But getting him in there with double digits, Jaron with nine, is better than what Xavier Tillman had been doing of late. Right. Uh, I realized they were, you know, Tillman, they're trying to get put him in a screen set and roll, a la Steven Adams, all that. Yeah. But I think his last game was two rebounds, I want to say, against the Celtics. Whatever it was, it wasn't enough. And so Brandon gives you a little bit more there, even though right. you're you're obviously playing a little bit smaller with him. Uh, I like it better saying I'm just in the same boat. Hopefully, though, these are not these are issues, you know, that you're not having to push forward with too long into the second half. And you get Steven Adams in there and Clark can go back to Clark and Tillman both. Can go back to, but Clark in particular go back to his, you know, his more comfortable spot off that bench. Right. Uh, but it, again, if this, you know, Stephen Adams, it's going to take a week or two after we're back. The different story. This is still a concern, but hopefully we're going to be able to put this to bed pretty pretty quickly after Stephen Adams is back. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. How concerned are you about uh, Dylan Brooks' play as of late? Um, another game that was um, struggling from the three-point line for Dylan, of course. Played pretty well defensively, as he always does. 
How concerned mm-hmm. are you with Dylan's play? This stretch that just continues to go on a bad play with Dylan Brooks. I'm not as I'm not worried about it anymore. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna in this sense, saying it's gonna figure itself out. You know, mm-hmm. he's got till the rest of the season now. You're past the trade deadline, so any kind of you know pressure like we talked about, maybe he was feeling that's that's lifted at least for the time being. Right. And listen, listen, you know the judgment's in for me for the regular season. I know he's struggling. It's what he's going to do in the playoffs, right? You know that I think I think is the important thing here. And okay, is he is he is he effective in a in a fourth role for you offensively in the playoffs? Can he even do that? We've seen him now in this role and has struggled with the fewer shots. I mean, let's just let's just be real. Earlier in this season, when there you know it wasn't one, two, three, Jod, Jaron, Bain all out there, there were still those opportunities for him. Now that they're all out there, you know he's dealing with. You know, a lot of times, what eight, nine shots? I think uh, against uh, against uh, Utah it was a little more. Got up to twelve. Yeah. But my point is, he's getting less of the pie and being asked to be more efficient. He's struggled with it for now. You know, the, can it be better in the playoffs? We'll see. But saying I would lean towards, um, you know, I would. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I would lean towards this team looking to make an upgrade at that position. Once the season is over, yeah. If you know that, that's I think that's where I'm at. That said, I don't think that you know, I don't think you're going to come to a final conclusion until after you've seen what, what whatever's going to happen in these playoffs. Yeah. I totally agree. Something that you definitely hit on is that I'm not really as concerned about Dylan's bad play because it's not really affecting the overall play of the team because he's not getting a lot of shots off. Like you said, he's right. not. He's, he's he's shooting low volume, so you know we we can kind of deal with the limited opportunities he's getting. That he's not making shots. Um, I kind of feel bad for him. I would love him to see him knock down a few more shots just for his own confidence. Uh, we're we're a very good team when Dylan is playing good basketball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, of course, you want to see him get going. It is unfortunate that he is uh, struggling the way that he is. Seems like for months. <laughs> it seems like the last game I saw Dylan really have a good game was that home game against Charlotte where he was just hitting everything. And since then, I haven't really seen him do much too much of all at all offensively. But um, someone else who's struggling is Tyus Jones. Tyus oh. Jones uh, uh, is still on the team on this side of the trade deadline. I did throw out that he was a guy that I would not be surprised to see a sneaky uh, Tyus Jones trade. I'm willing to throw this out there. Um, no intel on this at all. But I'm sure that in the Grizzlies trade proposals to land an OG Ananobi, uh, Mikael Bridges type player. I'm sure Tyus Jones probably was included in some of those talks, especially to a team like Brooklyn, who probably could need you know a legit uh, point guard that can um, kind of right the ship for them. And a guy, who, if if you draft a guy this this summer, who's your point guard of the future? Tyus could serve the same role he does now. You know, being that because mm-hmm. when they, when we got Tyus, we really thought he was going to have to be a guy. Well. This kid, John Moran, he's good, but he's probably going to struggle with the NBA game and court vision and basketball IQ with making smart, sound decisions. And John didn't have those struggles at all. So, you know, Tyus's role had to change. But uh, how concerned are you with Tyus Jones and his play uh, as of late? Especially, Very. From, especially just scoring. Very. I, I just think you've come to depend on him so much. Uh, you, you make a great point about Dylan. It's not as much concern because it's less. But with Tyus still – particularly leading that second unit, being a big part of that second unit, whether it's on the ball or off. Like, I I think you would come to expect a certain level from him, and it's dropped off the map of late. Last I looked, he was 
you know, it was 10% from three this month. I hadn't seen the update at the last couple of games, but uh, uh, five points per game this month. I mean, it's just dropped off the face of the earth. And so uh, he is more critical, I think, just in the sense because, again, you use him in so many different ways with that second unit. So I, I'm concerned, saying because I t- because Kenny Chandler is not ready. And, and, and listen, I don't want to see – you know, I know Desmond Bain has shown that at times he can be a secondary playmaker behind Ja – uh, and that was looking good before uh, Bain, particularly pre-injury. But I don't want to have to depend on that in playoffs. You know, uh, uh, I'd rather depend on 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 Tyus as a secondary playmaker, especially with that second unit. So more my concern level is higher when it comes to Tyus's struggles than than they are for uh, for Dylan Brooks right now. Well, uh, the final person we'll talk about in this uh, first segment of the podcast. Uh, he's putting up historical numbers for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Jason Smith. He is shooting 50% from three over a recent stretch. And by recent, I mean very recent. We're talking about Luke Kennard in his first two games here at the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> he is three of six from three and um, averaging about 21, 22 uh, minutes a game, 21 and a half to be exact, minutes per game. Uh, pretty much what he was playing for the Clippers, he was playing around you know, 19, 20 minutes per game. Um, to me, it seems like he's still kind of finding his way. There's a lot of people you you hear all the. Once you get a guy on your team, you start. It's it's a difference between when you're watching a guy and he's on another team, and then when you get him on your team, then you hear people kind of breaking his game down to more detail. I've heard several people talking about him, saying he's a guy who can kind of disappear on offense. You kind of forget he's on the court, uh, but when he gets going, you know he's amazing. I've heard that up and down the, the radio waves over the last um, week or so since we acquired him. I try not to overthink this type of stuff. He's a guy where if you hit him and he's open, it's a very good chance that shot's going in. You know what I mean? And uh, when he does miss, it's like, oh, man, like I wasn't expecting him to miss that shot. Um, I I think that in his first two games, I still think he has to get used to this team. This team has to get used to him, find where he wants to be. He's going to be a liability on defense, probably one of the worst defenders in the NBA. But that dude can flat out shoot the ball, man. He has a very effortless jump shot. It looks gorgeous when it goes in. Looks gorgeous when it misses. Um, I'm happy. To, I'm happy that he's part of this team. I think that they can get him going. I want to see more minutes from him, though, man. Like, I don't know why we're playing him and John Conchar. Like, just give him all those minutes. Like, he's he's still a young man. He can he can make it. You know, what I mean? it's like they're they're playing him. They're playing him and they're sitting him to put Conchar in. I know Jitty had a pretty good game last night, but let's see what we have in Luke Kennard. Let's give him a ton of minutes, put him on the ball some. You know what I mean? I'd like to see more of that after the All-Star break, put him on the ball a little bit. Um, Because if, if he's playing with uh former Duke guy as well, Tyus Jones, I don't think their timelines – they weren't in the same backcourt, were they? Uh, they, they were, yeah, they were together. For real? At, at Duke. championship I don't. I don't know if Kennard was on the championship team, but I know they were together. There's a pit. They they tweet out a picture of the two of them together at Duke in their mm-hmm. uniform. I they thought Tyus was one and done, though, right? Uh huh. So he had yeah. to be on the championship team because Tyus won the championship with uh, yeah. That team was loaded as hell, too, bro. Then Kennard was on that. Then Kennard was on that team. That wasn't Grayson Allen, though, right? Mm, don't give me line, man. I don't know that whole dude team saying. <laughs> I don't know. Better let Drew Drew pop in. Ask the white dude in the back. <laughs> let me see. No, I don't know. I don't know for real though. I don't know. 
I want to say Kennard and because Grayson, because if Kennard played with Tyus Jones, I don't know. But anyway, Luke Kennard, I'm I'm happy to have him here. I'm happy to uh, see him take and make three point shots. I think it'll be fine, man. I think it'll be fine for sure. Um, no real concerns with him. I think that he, once he gets you know a little bit more warmed up, a little bit more used to things, you know, we'll be able to see his uh, entire repertoire.